my day Ah, happy farewell to the county Welcome back everybody to another edition of The Beat I am Brendan Quinn of The Athletic You are obviously not listening to Nick do his normal intro He is off this week uh, I assume attempting to be a good father and doing some real life shit. I don't know, but he is not here. And instead, boop, 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 upgrade. Well, Sam Vicini in the house to talk basketball in June. This is what I've wanted. Now, I'm in I'm in golf world right now, which I love, but uh, I definitely miss the bread and butter. So we are going to talk some hoop with my man Sam Vicini. How are you, Sam? I'm doing well. I don't know if I'm doing as well as you are, though. You've got like 200 holes of golf scheduled for the next uh, <laughs> yeah. seven days. You're you're rolling right now. That's what we do. Uh, the key the key is just finagling in just enough work so that no one up top is like, "How much golf are you playing right now?" Because <laughs> production, you know. So uh, that's neither here nor there. But we appreciate you doing this, Sam. Uh, Sam, of course is uh, our NBA draft expert at The Athletic. He does tons of work both on college basketball, on pro basketball, um, and especially scouting. You probably know him from, you are like the uh, quite the whore of the college basketball podcast circuit, I would say, Sam. You're all over the place. I always see your name popping up on other pods. <laughs> yeah, people just ask me to come on, and I'm like, sure, whatever. I'm, I'm happy to lend my voice occasionally, unless it's Rob Doster's go. podcast, because... Uh, Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Uh, absolutely. Oh, fuck Rob Doster. We're out on Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to have him on the pod just to then cut him off and just be like, I, you know, you're not cutting it. You're not really bringing the heat there, Rob. So you are out. And then let, just continue let Doster be him. the Matt Damon of your Perfect. podcast to your Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Yes. That's how you'll close uh, every podcast from now on. Sorry, Rob. We ran out of time. <laughs> Oh, man. Now you got my mind going a little bit. That's, that's amazing. Um, well, today we're going – so there are still three major names out there for Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, you know, other schools are in this situation, but it is unique that both of these rivals kind of have um, a lot of uncertainty that they're facing. Um, Michigan beyond Isaiah Livers even with uh, Chondi Brown trying to get a – Transfer waiver, uh, but that's a different conversation. So between Michigan, you have Isaiah Livers, Michigan State, obviously Xavier Tillman, and Aaron Henry. So we're going to talk stock. We're going to talk how these guys actually could could uh, hypothetically translate to the league, which I really want to pick your your brain on a little bit, Sam. Yeah. Um, and then also get some of the intel that you have gathered from your sources through the league. So. Um, Sure. I want to start with the big one here, and it's Xavier Tillman. Um, yep. I would say what Xavier and Luca Garza, uh, who am I missing here, of the top pending decisions in college basketball in terms of who the difference between a top 5 or 10 team and a top 25 team, basically. Yeah, I would say that Garza is probably the top one. Mm-hmm. In terms of guys that matter from an NBA draft perspective, in my opinion, at least. I have Xavier Tillman as a first-round pick. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think that the rest of the league necessarily feels that way, but if Xavier Tillman was to return, I do believe that he would be uh, part of a top 10 Michigan State team, uh, depending on Aaron Henry's 
decision sure. as well. Uh, in general, I would say I think those are the two big ones. I have a big list here in terms of guys that are testing. I don't think Marcus Carr is necessarily going to uh, make an exorbitant difference uh, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, college basketball at the highest level. The In terms of one singular person, I think you can make a case for Corey Kispert. But if you mm -hmm. combine all of Corey Kispert, Joel Ayayi, and Philip Petrashev, who are all testing for Gonzaga, I would mm -hmm. say that that trio is more important than the duo of Michigan State and uh, Xavier Tillman and Aaron Henry. But I think that those are certainly the big ones, as well as Io DeSunmu and Kofi mm -hmm. Coburn, both of whom uh, certainly will play a pretty big role in how next season goes in the Big Ten. So you have Tillman as a first-round pick. Um, I... I've thought for a while he's and I, you know, I'm not an NBA guy, but I, I look at what he could bring, especially a good team on the back end of the first round. It seems to me as a relative no-brainer. But I've talked to a number of NBA folks for a story I did, oh shit, three weeks ago or so. Yeah. Um, and while everyone thinks my here was my impression that it seemed like everyone just thinks that he should stay in the draft, but only about like half of the folks were really convinced that he'd be a first-round pick. So it was uni basically uniform, like, yeah, he should stay in the draft. He'll be picked. He'll probably get guaranteed money. Only half of them thought he's a first-round pick. I don't really know what that even means anymore. It's guaranteed money is, is the key. Right. Um, what, 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 what kind of distills some of that for me? Yeah, so it used to be that only first-round picks get guaranteed money, right? That's not really the case anymore. These picks at the top of the second round now are – exceptionally valuable for these organizations because a most of those organizations are still rebuilding and are trying to accumulate as much young talent as they can B, as we've seen an explosion and proliferation of more players deciding to cut their college career short we've seen an influx in regard to the depth of drafts now so mm -hmm. about 95 percent of the time if you go within the first 10 picks of the second round you're going to get a guaranteed deal for at least a year and a half. That would be something in the range of like $1.4 million guaranteed. Um, it gets a little bit more complicated the further down you go from 40 to 50. I would say the rate is probably more 50% in regard to first year directly out of college getting a guaranteed deal. The 50 to 60 range is largely a dead zone. Uh, right. Most of those guys are going to be two-way contracts or they're going to be uh, guys that get stashed overseas, right? Mm -hmm. So in the case of a two-way contract, by the way, that guy will make like $420,000 next year. I would say that Xavier Tillman's worst case scenario. Right. I would be personally stunned if he didn't get a guaranteed contract next year he just brings so many different things to the table. Every NBA executive that I talk to is just like, yeah, like this guy is going to be a rotation big man for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. Having said that, there are a lot of front offices that feel like you can find rotational big men just kind of in free agency for the minimum. Right. And sure. if you think he's just a guy, 
which some front offices think he's just a guy, kind of as you said. Mm-hmm. There is a chance that if enough front offices think that way, he could fall into like the 40 to 48 range, I think. Like that's not out of the question. Personally, when I look at Xavier Tillman's game, I look at a guy who is incredibly efficient around the basket, who has incredible diversity in terms of the way that he can operate within an offense as a pick and roll big man. You can use him as a vertical lob threat. You can use him as a short roll threat to tear apart the inside of a defense with his passing ability. You can use him as a pick and pop guy eventually. He doesn't shoot it well right now. Uh, This kid lives and breathes basketball uh, when he's not living and breathing either uh, his schoolwork because he was a second team All-American academically this year Mm -hmm. or his two two kids who, uh, you know, like the thing that I was told above all with him in these interviews that he's gone through so far with NBA teams is this kid's just at a different life stage than most of the kids we talk to. Like he's just like talking to an adult. He's like talking to a 10 year veteran in the NBA. And it's, he's just like that kind of mature human being. So uh, me personally, that's the kind of guy where in a draft that features all sorts of uncertainty, I think he's going to be an awesome third big man in the NBA for a long time, Mm -hmm. given his defensive acumen, which we didn't even really talk about yet. Right. I would be ecstatic to take him in the 20 to 30 range in this draft. But, you know, some teams just don't want bigs right now. Mm-hmm. Some teams would rather take a flyer on a wing and then just fill the backup big role uh, through free agency. So so let's talk defense here. And, uh, you know, assuming the majority of our audience probably watches more college ball than pro sure. ball, right? Um, you know, we see Xavier Tillman as this guy who is an elite Ball screen defender as yep. a big can switch one through five can guard a variety of bigs from Daniel Oturu to Kofi Coburn uh, and then even spend forty minutes checking Lamar Stevens as like yep. a you know a, a more wing type kind of you know downhill guy. It's like um, a combo forward. Yeah, yeah, you know, like he's just a, a, a true big. He guards a, a guy who steps out. He guards. It's you see him do everything, and he's obviously the difference. He's right. You know, he's good for five extra wins a year when you have someone who's that good uh, defensively. And at the pro level, I was really surprised. Some of the uh, NBA folks I talked to were harping on on his size a little more than I had anticipated. He's 6'8". He's not overly athletic. He's not overly long. He's not particularly fast off the floor. Um, You know, it did seem like there was some consternation about – Hey, you know, if if he is who he's supposed to be, can he guard a legit NBA center? You know, and it doesn't have to necessarily right. be Joel Embiid, right? But a a true NBA big, you know, can he handle that? Um, can he play big enough, basically? Um, what's kind of your your read on how this guy who seems like if he comes back could be the National Defensive Player of the Year in college basketball? Um, but that's college basketball. How do you think he actually translates to the league as a defender? Because he ain't he ain't growing. He's six eight. He's gonna be six eight two fifty for the rest of his life, probably. Right. So I understand their consternation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as concerned about it personally mm-hmm. because he's so good at doing his his work for guys catch the ball. 
before shots go up on the defensive glass. Mm -hmm. Uh, His anticipation is exceptional in every regard of basketball. And in part, it's because this guy is just like a film nerd. If you talk to, you know, people around Michigan state, people who've been around him, right? Mm -hmm. Like this guy lives and breathes basketball in a way that is going to make him successful in my opinion at the NBA Mm -hmm. level. Now, where I think that the big concern comes up is ending defensive possessions with him as a center because he is six foot eight. There are going to be these big, long, athletic, you know, for lack of a better term, just like freak shows in the NBA, right? Like Giannis and Tarakumpo is six foot 11 with a seven foot five wingspan. He's going to be able just to jump over Xavier Tillman, right? Having said that, I think that he's good enough to become passable as a rebounder on that end. And I think that his uh, overall girth and strength allows him as a rim protector to hold his ground uh, just a little bit farther away from the basket when contesting shots, making those shots at the rim a little bit more difficult. He's going to meet guys, you know, if the average center when protecting the rim meets guys four feet away from the basket, he's able to do it, you know, five and a half, six feet away from the basket and hold his ground and make their shot a little bit more difficult after they bump him. So, I get where they're coming from because it's an untraditional center. And any time that there is something untraditional about a player, scouts become skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. I personally think he's going to be okay with it. Uh, and I think he's going to be fine with it. But having said that, you're right that there is real NBA consternation about that. And yeah. it does put his decision into flux in a real way. So, you know, the you, you mentioned what dominoes could fall in order for him. You know, a guy like him. There's always going to be, what, three, four guys that just fall. It's always going to be those guys, and it's just kind of, you know, you just— By the way, they tend to be big men that fall. Good point. Um, I, I would wonder this year if that's going to be the case just because of the wealth of point guards. I feel like the, a lot of point guards are going to drop. That's just— guessing um well it's both it's there are a lot of point guards in this class and there are a lot of bigs mm-hmm. in this class you know you mm-hmm. can go to xavier tillman zeke naji daniel aturu jalen smith yudoka azabuke um caleb wesson uh there there are like 10 of them mm-hmm. and i don't think caleb wesson's really in this range but there are like 10 guys that i've ranked somewhere between 21 and like 45 or 50 interesting gotcha. that are all true bigs and you can make a case for any of them uh rising depending on which team falls in love with them or you mm-hmm. can make a case for any of them falling realistically if you know in the case of xavier tillman teams that really like guys with high character and really like guys that uh have exceptional feel for the game and anticipation those teams are really going to like xavier tillman uh, teams that tend to be more tools oriented, teams that tend to value athleticism uh, sure. and proven box score production, uh, because a lot of what Xavier Tillman does doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. fall into the category of box score production. Those teams probably are going to be lower on Xavier Tillman than someone like Zeke Naji, despite the fact that Xavier Tillman is just a better basketball player than Zeke right. Naji. Like there's just not right. really a, there's not a case for Zeke Naji right now over Xavier Tillman as a basketball player. 
yeah, there's no, uh, it's a great point about uh, Xavier and there's no stats for being an elite screen setter, which right. you know, most people would, would qualify him as. And yeah. um, I would wonder because of this time off and away, um, so many of these scouting departments have had to be more reliant on watching film than ever before because what the hell else is there to do, you know? Right. And Xavier Tillman's a guy, the more film you watch, the more you're going to like him. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a benefit. Um, maybe that's just, you know, spinning things in a certain way just for, for his favor. I don't know. But what would you say is kind of, uh, you know, best case scenario that you, the highest you could see him going? Oh, man. Um, 25, something in that range. I, I don't feel like he's going to go in the top 20, I don't think. Um despite the fact that like I have him right around 20, I think I have him at 21 right now. Um, and, and like, I think it would be a totally reasonable pick to choose him there. I sure. do think his range probably starts like 21 to 45. And again, it's going to be a little bit wider because with bigs, it just tends to be wider. Um, right. Gotcha. And I would venture that a lot of, analytically inclined organizations are going to be fans of his because mm -hmm. just having looked through the analytics on Xavier Tillman, they're quite strong. I mean, his effect when he's on the court versus off the court is ridiculous. Yes. Uh, That's like the only is, word for it too. It's, it's, I mean, they're off the chart numbers that just compared nationally, not in the big 10 nationally. Right. Now, yeah, I mean, it's absurd. Like, I think that they're like 30 points per 100 possessions better when he's on right. the court. Um, right. I'm pulling up the numbers now because I have them. Like, and I'm almost like filibustering while we talk. <laughs> but like... Nothing really filibusters like saying the word filibuster. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just absurd. Uh, I wish that this page was loading faster. Mm -hmm. But it's not. Hey everyone, it is Brendan and I am here to ask you whether you smell or not. And when I say smell, I mean smell good because, you know, cologne is, uh, is something that is gradually, I think, kind of faded from the, uh, the, 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 the pride that men take uh, in, their, in their general uh, presentation. Uh, you remember the old, like, how old men used to smell when we were all younger, the, these rancid colognes that they would use that would stink up the whole house. Everything kind of smelled like a, a, a bad boardroom. Well, now there is cologne for 2020 uh, for, the, for the modern man. It's Hawthorne with an E. Uh, Hawthorne with an E dot com. Uh, this is cologne for today. Uh, you don't smell like your dad. You won't smell even worse like your granddad. Um, but just a pleasant scent for your loved ones uh, to enjoy. Maybe uh, that, that person whose attention you're trying to get. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe they take notice. Um, and yourself, you know, it's nice not to stink. And most of you probably do out there, even if you don't know it. So, um, you know, your deodorant, your shampoo, your body wash, you got to seal the deal at the end with some Hawthorne cologne. So check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E 
and .co, not .com, hawthorne.co, and use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co, and use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase, hawthorne.co. We'll take your word for it. We'll take I think, and anyone who has watched Michigan State basketball knows the difference between Xavier Tillman being on the floor and off the floor because it's one of those, oh, man, opposing teams on a 10-0 run. What's the difference? Oh, Xavier's off the right. floor. Oh, wait, Xavier, Xavier Tillman's out. The Iowa right. game this year was ridiculous. Like, as soon yes. as he got two different into, games. Yeah, he got into foul trouble in the first half on some BS fouls, and mm-hmm. then they bring him back in in the second half, and Luka Garza can't do anything against yes. him he's just yes. a wall right and the other thing about the on off numbers is like look like we can talk about the fact that like marcus bingham probably hasn't lived up to expectations right mm-hmm. and you know julius marble is a freshman right but you know these guys are four-star recruits that are pretty strong like they should theoretically be very real like backup centers that aren't like skewing the numbers for when he leaves the court because they just suck, you know? Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, so for Xavier and all these guys, and I meant to ask you this at the kind of the top of the conversation, um, can you kind of lay out, I get this, I get these questions more often than probably anything on Twitter sure. um, at this point is just, you know, what are the dates? What's going on? When do these guys have to do what? Um, where where do things stand between the uh, kind of not standoff, but you know the NBA making decisions, the NCAA waiting to see what these decisions are, and then making their own decisions and blah blah blah. You know, it's just kind of spinning and who does what first. Um, where where are things? So it seems like we have some clarity. Mm-hmm. The NCAA has said that all players either have to make a decision before August 3rd mm-hmm. or 10 days after the combine, whichever date comes first. Now, I did some reporting last week, and right mm-hmm. now the combine is tentatively being discussed as sometime let's throw even the widest range on it and say uh, very late August to mid-September. So unless the NCAA changes its date with that knowledge once it gets announced, these kids are not going to have the benefit of the combine to potentially help themselves. Right. Now there's also been a wrinkle that was thrown into it this weekend where the NC or the NBA said that they're moving back their early entry date to August 13th. So basically NCAA like rocket Watts right now could decide to declare for the draft if he wanted to. Sure. Sure. Even though earlier when the date passed, he had not declared for the draft, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. right? Rocket didn't declare. Yeah, he did not, no. Um, while that would be a bad decision on his part, it is <laughs> right. now something that I think college coaches are trying to figure out. Are there any kids that have potential to mm. change their minds and go? Like, for instance, Kentucky recruited Olivier Saar as a transfer. Sure. Uh, Olivier Saar maybe or maybe not is going to get eligible this year 
via a waiver to play at Kentucky mm-hmm. after transferring from Wake. He's not a grad transfer. So does the NCAA make their decisions on grad transfers and non-grad transfers, more realistically non-grad transfers, early enough to where these kids are able to make an informed decision? Mm-hmm. Or do they not do that and force these kids into a bind and make them make a decision without all of the possible information. I'm going to be fascinated to see how that goes. But I think that the date is something like August 13th now where anyone from college basketball can decide to become an early entrant. And I, interesting. I don't know that it's going to affect anyone, but it's at least an alteration that has potential to affect things that coaches are trying to figure out. Hmm. Man, the uh, the idea of the NCAA changing its mind on that second date that it came up with um, as the cutoff point to accommodate the combine. Am I? Uh, do you think I'm crazy for thinking there's little to no chance? That's my gut reaction to just hearing you say that. Is that that's probably not happening? Yeah, my read on why they put the date in early August is because many universities start school and start classes right. in mid-August. Right. So if the NCA is doing its combine later than when many schools begin classes, I mean the NCA can't really do anything about it. Like yeah. they they actually do. Like, look, I'm someone who trashes the NCAA as much mm-hmm. as anyone, right? But in this case, I actually think that, like, it's a reasonable date to set uh, to set it maybe, like, maybe the latest date is August 10th that you could put it, but I don't know mm-hmm. when every university starts. Like, you have to have a decision done by the time university starts. Sure. I, I mean, it is reasonable is a good word to use here. And, and unreasonable times, you know, there is something to be said where it's like, yes, you know, under all circumstances, you want these kids to be able to make the best decision humanly possible. At right. the same time, it's still a basketball team that needs to know what the hell it's going to look like when the school year starts, right? Like, that's not yeah. a preposterous thing to say it should be equally weighed, right? Yeah, and even, like, from a university standpoint, like, theoretically, a lot of, like, if you're going to Duke, um, that scholarship is, what, $50,000 or something like yeah. that? Like, you know, you, you can't really have potentially $150,000 up in the air uh, going into a season. Like it's, you know, and scholarships on some level are sort of funny money, but like, you know, it's, I actually don't really have a problem with the way that the Mm -hmm. NCAA has handled this. And I think that uh, they've given these kids enough time. It'll, it's just not as much time as what many of them might need to make the best possible decision. So let's talk about the other two um, that I wanted to to get to with you. Um, We'll stick with Michigan State and Aaron Henry still sitting out there. I have myself and a number of people have just kind of been waiting for him to withdraw from the the draft, right? Um, Then he has not. um, And obviously, it's hard to withdraw from the draft when you really never entered the draft in the first place, right? All these guys just kind of announced that they were in the draft, but there was nothing to actually do other than Zoom meetings. You can't try out. You can't do anything to help your stock. So, right. It's like um, when Michael Scott declares bankruptcy in the office. Like, <laughs> right. I declare for the draft. Yeah. Well, if you just shout it into the ether and you are someone like uh, Dakari Johnson from Cape Fear Community College, like, <laughs> what does it mean? Right. 
So, so Aaron Henry's like the definition of one of those guys who wanted to test the waters to prove himself, probably in his mind, thinking it's it's every other, it's like any other year, right? This is what you do. This is when you go test yourself, and it obviously hasn't worked out uh, right. for the circumstances. But you know, when it comes to Aaron, I wonder, like, let's lump next year into it, right? If it's it's just Aaron Henry, the basketball player, whether it's him as a potential NBA player this year or next year, just like him as a guy who could possibly be an NBA player. Like, what do you like? Um, not in terms of stock right now, but just him sure. as like kind of his profile, right, as an NBA guy. I actually quite like the profile. Uh, I, I was very high on him coming into the year. Uh, six foot five, six six, somewhere in that range. Six mm-hmm. foot, I want to say like six eight to six nine wingspan. Mm-hmm. Um you know, pretty good athleticism, certainly not an elite athletic athlete. Uh, you know, he'll throw down some pretty wild dunks jumping off of two feet, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty hard to do that consistently at the NBA level unless you're getting a clean look coming off of a cut, sure. right? Um, the jumper didn't quite make the leap that I was hoping this year, both in terms of his desire to take it and his feeling of confidence in it yeah. or in his just percentages, right? Like he shot 34 from three, I think. Um, in general, I think he's a pretty good passer as well. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of underrated there. You do have to worry sometimes about the numbers with Michigan State when it comes to assists. Traditionally, mm-hmm. they've been a bit inflated and traditionally mm-hmm. the Izzo offense has been and assist haven like consistently they rank uh among the top three or four schools in the country in terms of assists per field goal made yeah um i also think his defense is kind of underrated to be honest Mm -hmm. um i know that Izzo gets on him a lot for it i don't want to say that that's misplaced because i think it comes from a place of Izzo feeling like he has very real awesome upside on defense. Right. I also think that Izzo coming down on him defensively as much as he does leads to a perception that he's not a good defender. Mm. And I don't think that's quite the case either. I think it's kind of somewhere in the middle there. So you look at a guy who plays a premium position of need on the wing who has some shooting potential, some passing potential, some defensive potential, there's a lot there for NBA teams to really, really like. Yeah, well, uh, while I have thought that, you know, in the here and now, it, it's unlikely that he's a draftable prospect right now. Right. I, I do feel like he was also one of the guys who was robbed as much as anyone by the season ending the way it did because right. he was on the uptick in a major way. The last two weeks of the season – he was playing really well. He looked like the guy that I know you and I expected to see all year long. This all-league guy who does five different things at a super high level. Rebounding, shooting, attacking, guarding, you know. And um, it all kind of came together. Like the, the year and a half of him questioning himself – and kind of in this internal locking horns a little bit with Izzo and everyone questioning why he isn't as good as we thought he should be, blah, blah, blah. It seemed like it was, it was right there that right. he was about to kind of vanquish all of that. And then it all disappeared. And because he was a dude who I'm like, the way he was playing at the end of the year, I'm, 
he's going to have a killer, you know, Sweet 16 and Elite 8, and he is a first-round pick, and he's gone, and everyone's going to yep. be like, he was so good after questioning him for so long, you know? And right. So that's a bummer for him. Um, right. wh- in terms of the guys that you talk to around the league, um, do you, what's your sense if if there's any interest in him right now? I think he would end up on a two-way contract. I will okay. say that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that the end scenario, be it a team drafts him at 52 or you know 56, mm-hmm. which I don't think is out of the question, um, okay. or he goes undrafted if he decides to stay in, the end result would be similar. I think it would be a two-way contract. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that because he has all of these unpolished, let's call them, tools, that there is some real growth and development potential there that teams really look for, especially at a premium position like the wing. Sure. The, uh, the, the thing that the sense that I got talking to guys was everyone loves the upside. Everyone loves Aaron Henry. They've been talking about him for a long time. He's been on the radar, Yep. but he's also one of those dudes where you're like, got to see it. Got to see him put the ball in the basket. Yep. Got to see him draw more than two free throw attempts a game, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like got to take that step because I don't know if he's not big enough, he's not wildly athletic enough where you're just going to take that flyer right. on extraordinary upside, right? He Just because of kind of who he is, he's a dude who kind of needs to show it at this level, I think. Yeah, I mean, to be an end of the first round, like, you know, early second round pick, I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. Like, he mm-hmm. absolutely still needs to show it, and that's certainly what my conversations are with NBA teams. I don't think he would go in the top 40 right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, again, like, I do think if he just wants to start his pro career, right, mm-hmm. if he just decides I'm done with college basketball, I'm not going to begrudge him for doing that. Like, I sure, think it's sure. – a reasonable assessment to make. Like you just want to be done. Mm-hmm. You want to be done. But I think that he would be entering the league with a tougher road in terms of what he has to do to make it than what is potential. If he does come back to Michigan state, he actually does have enough upside to where he can make his early years in the NBA easier by mm-hmm. returning. And to be honest, unless he gets hurt, I don't see much of a downside. Like, I don't think NBA teams are going to be like, yeah, we don't want him on a two way anymore because he stagnated in his junior year. He's sure. still a six foot six wing who has potential to shoot it and defend. Teams are still going to want that guy on a two way. So, I mean, look, that's how I would advise him if I was involved in the process. I would say that there is enough room for growth that I think it is useful and viable for you to return. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's his call. And I think it's, you know, it's not one where he has like a disastrous decision, I don't think, either way. Sidebar, from what you are hearing the uh, how much how up in the air everything is for next basketball season, right? People right. are talking about starting in December, blah blah blah. I haven't heard one thing about the G League and and what the consequences of all of this could be on a guy on a very unclear, deal. by the way. Yeah, no, so you know, I, I don't think the way in, I would think. Yeah, I, I don't think that the NBA has thought a ton 
about the G mm-hmm. League yet because mm-hmm. they have 99 other fires to put out. Like, I'll, sure. I'll be honest with you. I don't think that the draft itself is anywhere <laughs> near the top of mm-hmm. NBA front offices uh, or like the NBA league offices to do yeah. best. Uh, well. And like the draft is something that's very popular. It's something that really matters to a lot of kids and a lot of executives involved in the process. And it's just like, I'm not going to say it's not a priority, but it's nowhere near the top 10 priorities in mm-hmm. the NBA right now. Interesting. Um, all right, Isaiah Livers, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, an interesting guy in that his shooting clearly translates, but at the same time, last year, um, the, the leg injuries, him just never really able to, I think, put the full package together of maybe a guy who could go off the bounce a little bit more, maybe show that he could pass a little bit more. He was always kind of in recovery mode because of the legs. Um, Still shot at an extraordinarily high level. Um, But when you're a guy with medical questions and teams can't get their hands on you, I don't know how this matches up for him really being able to um, present himself as a viable option for, for some teams, even if they really like him. Yeah, I certainly would put Aaron Henry ahead of Livers in Mm -hmm. the pecking order for reference. Um, Livers is a top 100 guy for me. If the medicals check out and I don't have any information positively or negatively on that, I think NBA teams are still looking for uh, as much information as they can get on that. Um, I think he probably would end up on a two-way. I don't think it's impossible that he wouldn't. Um, Mm. I I think that six foot seven, 230 pounds can shoot it is enough of a selling point to where NBA teams would be comfortable with him on a two-way. But, I mean, the thing that just comes up with him is does this guy have enough game? Like, honestly, yeah. like people just aren't sure if he has enough game to be able to do what he has to do at the next level. Sure. That's fair. Um, he and then kind like, of, here's, here's the other thing too. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say he's like a disaster defender at the college level, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have great foot speed. And you yeah. know, you mentioned the idea of recovery and I assumed that you meant it in regard to his injury. Uh, yeah. He's constantly in recovery just in regard to when he gets driven, he gets blown by and has yep. to then, you know, turn and sprint and recover to try and get back in defensive position. So mm-hmm. I, it's not that I think he's a bad prospect because anytime you can shoot the way that, Isaiah Livers can, and you have positional size in the way that Isaiah Livers does, there is a marketplace for you, and NBA teams are going to be interested. I don't think he is particularly high up the priority totem pole. Yeah, I mean, I think that everything starts with him probably needing just to get in much better shape um, yeah. all the way across the board, stronger, leaner, uh, quicker. Um, you know, he does have jumping, he does have leaping ability. Like, he is an athlete. Um, but he just has always kind of seemed like a guy who could even slim up a little bit or get stronger, yeah. whatever it may be. It's Jordan um, Wara E uh, mm, from mm-hmm, Louisville, mm-hmm. like very, sure. very similar deal. Came in at 240 pounds as a freshman, uh, slimmed down to 225, got a little bit bouncier, and you know 
this year was if he wasn't an all-american he was right around uh the right. all-american team level I, I don't know if i would have voted for him there but he certainly got that uh recognition nonetheless yeah. but similar deal where both are six foot seven both are probably fours to be honest if mm-hmm. we're going to be real about it probably not true wings but they mm-hmm. both shoot the ever-loving shit out of the ball and anytime yeah. that's the case i mean fuck kyle guys six foot one and got drafted last year off the back of it yeah yeah you know the like Livers seems like a dude if uh, you take the pandemic out of it if it were just a normal year and he was just done with school and stayed in the draft uh just seems like a guy who would go undrafted get picked up, maybe get a summer league spot, and then we'll just have to hope that he just went balls out yep. and just sh- shot with blind right yep. this summer. Just shoot 60% in summer league, get invited somewhere, and and off you go and you hope that you can hang, right? Um, yeah, or do that in a draft workout. Uh, mm-hmm, knock down mm-hmm. like 80 of 100 at the end of a draft workout. And the, the typical workout is that uh, they have guys take 100 – three pointers sprinting back and forth across the um across the court to test their Mm -hmm. endurance in addition to their shooting and you know typically a good shooter makes like 70 of them uh you know an okay shooter might make 65 of them uh great shooter makes 75 of them to 80 of them you know like if isaiah livers would have gone there and knocked down 80 to 85 of those shots he might have put himself on a radar in a real way. Yeah, for someone's hand. Um, I just don't know how plausible any of it is um, on, under the, the present circumstances. Have you heard anybody talk about um, him in any sort of way? I mean, I ask just because, you know, I do due diligence on sure. a lot of these guys. Uh, basically what I said before is the feeling, right? That yeah. he's just yeah. not there yet. Um, he's – uh, the injury is a concern. The shooting is real. We don't know if he has enough game to be able to stick mm-hmm. at the next level. And the thing is, you know, without with Xavier Simpson not coming back, right. and this is kind of the same thing with Aaron Henry, with Cassius Winston being gone, like Michigan State's going to run stuff with Aaron Henry out top and the ball in his hands. They're, I think they're going to run a lot of stuff through him. Um, they're always going to run a lot of uh, put the ball through Joey Hauser. Um, cause you're going to have to make up for losing yeah. the best point guard in the conference, right? Um, Michigan kind of in the same spot. You're losing the most ball dominant point guard in the country. That ball's going to have to go somewhere and they don't have a true, true point guard. I'll, I'll tell you where Smith. I think it's going to go though. Franz Wagner. I think it's going to go to Franz Wagner. Absolutely. But like Franz Wagner can't, isn't going to be the prime, can't be the primary guy every single time down floor. Point being like, no. Isaiah's going to get a chance to put, have the ball in his hands and show that he can do something other than shoot. Right? Um, so it's kind of one of those, if you do go back to school, you're not going to be, I, I don't think Michigan's just going to be lining up just to stick him in the corner and let him shoot threes. And that's it. Like if he comes back, I think you'll have a chance to, you know, improve his stock. Well, p- put it this way. way. Michigan would certainly like for him to prove the ability to become right. a creator of some sort. Uh, I, I think it'll say a lot if he does return next year and mm-hmm. he's still just spotting in the corner and getting yep. 75% of his offense that way. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever going to be a guy. You're going to put him in ball screens and suddenly he's an elite right. passer. I mean, he, his, his assist numbers are shit for a reason, right. um, but he could still be a guy who, Actually puts the ball, you know, two dribbles, attacks, draws a foul, does something other than just shoot. Yeah, you need so, to be able to attack a closeout. You need to be able yeah. to 
on a heavy closeout, take two dribbles and either finish at the basket or make a smart kickout pass. He doesn't really do either of those things right now at a high enough level. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the biggest place where he needs to grow. Yeah. So your bet is, I think, the same as mine. Xavier Tillman to the NBA, Aaron Henry, and Isaiah Livers back to college. You in agreement? I think the Tillman thing is really up in the air. Just haven't talked hmm. to people. Like I, I, yeah. I understand that the perception is that he's probably going to go and like look if I tend not to like get into the prediction business just because I think these kids should, you know, do whatever they want. Right. Like make your Mm -hmm. own choices. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I will say that I think the Tillman thing is up in the air enough to where I don't feel comfortable saying he's like a hundred percent gone. Oh, I mean, I I think I put it this way. Having dealt with Xavier Tillman for a while, if it were a hundred percent, he would say it's a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see him being a guy who's just going to kind of fart around and enjoy the attention or any of that bullshit. Like, yeah. he's just, he's not that guy. If he says he's still 50-50, then he is still deciding yeah. what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I'm, he, like, a little bit hesitant to, like, lean one way or another. Just mm-hmm. because, like, I, I do think that he would have announced by now if he wasn't it's fair. really considering all options. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, I think at the end of the day, sometimes just the simplicity of real life is real life. And, um, right. You know, maybe enough teams can, can give them the guarantee money, but and guy with time, two I mean, kids you, like realistically right, right. probably need some money. <laughs> and at the same time, you know, like you brought up an interesting scenario where if it's a two way deal that he's looking at, you know, if he's not guaranteed a spot or, you know, a certain amount of money and blah, blah, right. like you, you brought up a number like $400,000. $400,000, no shit. That's a lot of money, right? Right. At the same time, finishing your degree, Michigan State takes care of everything for that family. They are put up in a nice apartment on campus. Their food is taken care of, right? They get they have checks because they're signed up for every program possible, right? Like, as they should. Like, they do it the right way, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, it ain't a bad, bad life. It's, it's not, you know... In uh, in an apartment, you know, scrounging to get by every night, you know, like they're taken care of pretty well. So what's a more comfortable life if it's not, you know, a contract? And these are things that I think are being are very real conversations that are being had in that camp. Right. Because um, it ain't easy. He's right on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I wish that, you know, just given the case, like I've never heard anyone say a bad word about the kid. Like he's yeah. one of those people where across the board, universal love um you know in a way that you don't really get from any prospects it's like mm-hmm. him skylar mays this year is one of them um yeah you know there, there are a couple others that like you really get it about but like xavier tillman's one of those kids where every single remark is oh what just an elite level kid a mature kid mm-hmm. awesome kid um I, I wish it wasn't that way for him i wish he wasn't on yeah. the line like he is. Um, I wish that more scouts thought of him the way that I think of him. Right. Sure. But unfortunately that's not the reality for Xavier Tillman. And I think that Mm -hmm. uh, they are approaching the process in a way that is intelligent and keeping things open. Yeah. All right. Well, 
speaking of intelligent and keeping things open, we'll, we'll wrap it up there, you know, because you've done such a service <laughs> for the podcast this week. Sam, we do appreciate it. And I know you are a uh, you're you're a big purveyor of restaurants and bars and establishments. And on this show, we end every episode by encouraging our listeners to support their bartenders and servers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a if you have a restaurant recommendation that you, people can get any takeout from, feel free Ooh. to put it out there. Otherwise, what are your uh, your thoughts on making sure we take care of our own at so this time? We just got uh, Blackbird Pizza Cafe down mm. on, I believe it's on Melrose, because we I live like right in the middle of Hollywood, basically in California, mm. and we got is Chicago deep dish pizza. It is the best deep dish pizza I've had outside of Chicago. Okay. Uh, so please uh, go patronize there. And look, my my favorite bar in Los Angeles is Residuals Tavern up in North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they're open yet, but once they are, please go. Yeah. And tip those bartenders and servers. Tip those bartenders, tip those servers. They've treated me very well over the, what, six, almost seven years I've been out here. Well, I'll get, I will get assigned to a game at UCLA this year. You can take me to... Uh, what's it? Residual Tavern? Yeah. So do you watch the show Barry on uh, HBO? I have. I have seen so it. Do hilarious you, show. Do you know the bar that they go to in the first episode? Yeah. It's that Vagley, bar. I remember. Yeah. No shit. Um, I've been going there for literally seven years. I used to live like right around the corner from it. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'll get a game at UCLA. You can take me to the bar because that sounds pretty awesome. You're uh, in. Let's do it. All right. Well, Sam, thank you, my friend. We do appreciate it. Uh, make sure you read uh, all of Sam's work on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, get off of your ass and uh, get on board and help us out. We are, uh, we're we're going to keep going strong, whether there are games or no games. And uh, Sam is no exception. He does great work on the draft. So go find it uh, under his name. And Sam, what is your Twitter handle? Sam underscore Vicini. Easy enough. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all.